Welcome to Defiant Health Radio, a place where you can count on hearing about the truth in health, uncolored by interests of big pharma, the generally misplaced motivations of healthcare and doctors, just ideas and strategies that work safely, effectively, and inexpensively. I'm your host, Dr. William Davis, cardiologist and author of the Wheat Belly and Undoctored Books, and now my newest book, Super Gut, a four-week plan to reprogram your microbiome, restore health, and lose weight. In Supergut, I discussed two major topics. One, we have lost microbes that performed important functions for our health. And two, in their place, unhealthy, mostly stool microbes have proliferated. I therefore show you how to correct these situations, including how to cultivate specific bacterial species, such as my favorite, Lactobacillus rotari, that, when replaced, achieves extraordinary benefits that includes having increased empathy for other people, being able to understand another person's point of view better. Ladies love it because it smooths skin wrinkles, also deepens sleep and restores youthful muscle and strength. That's just one microbe. I show you how to restore this and other microbes lost from the human microbiome to yield other benefits such as shrinking your waist circumference, reducing arthritis pain, accelerating recovery from strenuous work or exercise, improving the health of your baby and children. I also detail how you can take steps to push back the overgrowth of unhealthy bacteria using various easy-to-put-to-use strategies. No book before Supergut has provided the detail on practical, actionable strategies that you can put to work to obtain the results you desire. You'll find Supergut just about anywhere they sell books. In this episode of Define Health, I'm going to talk about an area that is typically packed with dangerous misinformation when you talk to your doctor. That is, what should your blood sugar be after a meal? The answer your doctor gives you virtually guarantees that you take several steps closer to type 2 diabetes, weight gain, and numerous other health complications ranging from knee arthritis to dementia. So let's get the real, practical, and healthy answers to the question of what your blood sugar should be after a meal. Later in the podcast, let's talk about Defiant Health's sponsor, Paleo Valley. Their fermented grass-fed beef sticks, bone broth protein, rich in collagen, organic super greens, and low-carb super food bars have among the cleanest ingredient lists in the industry. And of course, they're delicious. Blood sugars that you measure through a finger stick blood glucose or through a continuous glucose monitor can be a very powerful tool for health if used properly. Unfortunately, if you ask the doctor, if you're not diabetic, type 2 diabetic, most doctors will discourage you from checking blood sugar. Unfortunately, not recognizing just how powerful a measure, a tool this can be. Or they might say to you, if you ask, what's, an old, what's a healthy blood sugar after a meal? They'll say something like, as long as you don't exceed 200 milligrams per deciliter, you're okay. Let me translate what they're really saying. They're saying that as long as you don't exceed 200 milligrams per deciliter after a meal, you don't need insulin or other drugs to control blood sugar. In other words, they, they equate the lack of need for insulin and diabetes medications as health. That is absolutely not true. In fact, that advice that a blood sugar after a meal, 200 or less is okay, is completely wrong. In fact, if you get a blood sugar, say, 180 after a meal, that is a surefire way to do very destructive things to your health. 
We're also talking about what the blood sugar peak is. That is not the blood sugar after two hours. Many doctors tell their patients to check a blood sugar two hours after a meal. That's wrong. That is what you do when you're trying to control blood sugar using insulin or drugs. That's not what we're trying to do here. We're trying to use insights gained from blood sugar to understand the quality of our diet and the potential consequences of high blood sugars. So we're going to check a blood sugar at the baseline before you have your meal and then 30 to 60 minutes after the start of the meal because we're trying to capture the peak blood sugar. That is the highest blood sugar ranges after a meal. Now, you to be real scientific, what you really should do is check a blood sugar every 15 minutes and capture the peak. But for all practical purposes to limit the number of times you have to stick yourself for a blood glucose, if you check it between 30 and 60 minutes after the start of the meal, you more than likely will capture something close to the peak. But what if you were to adhere to what the doctor says and allow blood sugars as high as 200 milligrams per deciliter after a meal. Well, when you trigger a blood sugar that high, you also trigger a lot of insulin release because the body wants to put that glucose into the body's cells. So insulin, to a high degree, to a high level, is generated. Well, repetitive cycles of high blood glucose, high blood insulin, high blood glucose, high blood insulin, this is the process that leads to insulin resistance. That is the process in the body where the, the muscles, liver, brain, other organs don't respond, no longer respond to insulin, and your pancreas that makes insulin responds by producing very high levels of insulin. So someone who has insulin resistance, for instance, can have a blood insulin, fasting blood insulin, a level of 30, 60, 90, or 120 microunits per liter. A normal slender person typically has levels of one, two, or three, or four microunits. So insulin resistance means there's many-fold higher levels of insulin. It's not uncommon to have 10-fold higher, 20-fold higher levels than a slender, healthy, insulin-sensitive person. Well, that high insulin causes weight gain. It causes weight gain specifically in visceral fat, that is abdominal fat that causes inflammation and worsens insulin resistance. So around and around and around in a vicious cycle, that is high blood glucose, high blood insulin, insulin resistance, higher insulin, and more insulin resistance. And insulin resistance, of course, is the process underlying so many modern chronic health conditions like coronary disease, heart disease, type 2 diabetes, fatty liver, increased potential for cancer, increased potential for Alzheimer's dementia. So not having insulin resistance can be very, very important, a great advantage for health. Whenever you have a repeated rise in blood sugar, that means you've consumed some kind of food that raises blood sugar, of course, right? Well, those same foods also induce unhealthy changes into the intestinal microbiome. And so engaging in a diet that raises blood glucose to high levels also introduces dysbiosis or disrupted bowel flora. It's not uncommon to develop SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, as well as fungal overgrowth in the GI tract when you eat foods that allow blood sugar to rise to high levels. And that means you have unhealthy changes into the microbiome that have their own implications for causing gastrointestinal problems like irritable bowel syndrome or other problems outside the GI tract like depression or rosacea, or psoriasis, or ulcerative colitis, or rheumatoid arthritis. In other words, when you change the microbiome in unhealthy ways by engaging in foods that raise blood sugar to high levels, 
it's not the blood sugar itself that changes the microbiome. It's the foods that allow blood sugar to go high that also, in parallel, trigger unhealthy changes in the microbiome. Fungal growth in particular, because fungi love sugar. They thrive on sugar. So if you take in foods that raise blood sugar, you've taken in foods that also provide sugar into the GI tract, and fungi love it. Fungi like Candida albicans, Candida glabrata, Candida tropicalis, and many others. It's my view that fungal overgrowth in the GI tract is substantially underappreciated. It's a lot more common than we think. Another process that develops when you allow blood sugars to range to high levels is the formation of something called VLDL particles in the liver, very low density lipoprotein. Low density because they're rich in fats, that is triglycerides. So anytime you eat foods that contain sugar or carbohydrates, like the amylopectin A of grains or sucrose or fructose, the liver is very good at converting those carbohydrates and sugars to triglycerides. This process is called liver de novo lipogenesis, the creation of fats from sugars. Now, the liver creates these triglycerides. Some of them get into the bloodstream, where they become VLDL particles. Triglycerides are fats. VLDL particles are rich in triglycerides and fats and are very low density. That's why they're called very low density lipoproteins. Some of the triglycerides don't make it out of the liver and stay put in the liver. And that's how you develop fatty liver. So when you allow blood sugar to range to a high level, the liver converts those sugars to VLDL particles that cause heart disease. And VLDL particles also interact with LDL particles, and that's the process that leads to the formation of small LDL particles, a very dangerous collection of particles that are potent causes of heart disease, far more important than the silly notion of LDL cholesterol. So you can see, if you allow blood sugar to range to a high level of, say, 180 milligrams per deciliter, you've provoked formation of VLDL particles and small LDL particles that cause heart disease. You've also provoked formation of triglycerides that stay in the liver and cause fatty liver. The Defiant Health Podcast is sponsored by Paleo Valley, makers of delicious grass-fed beef sticks, healthy snack bars, and other terrific products. We are very picky around here and insist that any product we consider has no junk ingredients like maltodextrin, carrageenan, carboxymethylcellulose, sucralose, and of course, no added sugars. And all Paleo Valley products contain no gluten nor grains. In fact, I find Paleo Valley products among the cleanest of any in their category, and they're truly delicious. One of the habits I urge everyone to get into is to include a fermented food product at least once, if not several times per day in their lifestyles. Unlike nearly all other beef sticks available, the Paleo Valley grass-fed beef sticks are all naturally fermented, meaning they contain probiotic bacterial species. And if like most people, you don't have the time to make batches of bone broths or soups every week or every day, Paleo Valley has an excellent grass-fed bone broth protein powder that packs 15 grams of collagen per scoop for skin and joint health, while providing the health benefits of bone broth. Shipping is free for orders of $75 or more. For more information or to order, go to paleovalley.com. That's P-A-L-E-O-V-A-L-L-E-Y.com. Enter the discount code DEFIANT, not case sensitive, for a 15% discount to Defiant Health listeners. 
The web address is also listed in the Defiant Health show notes that accompany this podcast. And be sure to take a look at their other products, such as their organic super greens, rich with phytonutrients, and their super food bars that come in dark chocolate chip, apple cinnamon, and lemon meringue. They're low carb, of course, with eight grams net carbs per bar. Another process that develops when you allow blood sugar to range to a high level is the process of glycation or endogenous glycation. All that means is that when blood glucose rises to a high level, you glycate or glucose modify proteins in the body. And this is an irreversible process. So if you glycate, for instance, the proteins in the lenses of your eyes, you get opacities, that is cataracts over time. If you glycate cartilage proteins in your joints, cartilage becomes stiff, brittle, and erodes over time. That's how you get osteoarthritis, arthritis of joints. If you glycate LDL particles, they become much more likely to cause heart disease, much more prone to oxidation, much more likely to cause atherosclerotic plaque that leads to heart attacks. If you glycate skin, it causes thinning and age spots and causes acceleration of skin aging. Many other phenomena of aging are also accelerated when you glycate various proteins in the body. So whenever that blood sugar goes above 100 milligrams per deciliter, the normal level, you glycate proteins irreversibly and you accelerate aging. So it's very bad to have blood sugars, as you can see, that go above the normal range. So what is an ideal blood sugar 30 to 60 minutes after the start of a meal? Well, I have a rule I call the no change rule. So it's very simple. If you have a starting blood sugar before a meal of, say, 90 milligrams per deciliter, ideal blood sugar, by the way, fasting, is 70 to 90 milligrams per deciliter. So let's say you start at 90 milligrams per deciliter. You eat some food, and then you check your blood sugar 30 to 60 minutes after the start of that meal. You want that blood sugar to be no different, no higher than 90 or so. Now, accepting that these devices, finger stick blood glucose devices, are accurate plus or minus 15 milligrams per, de- per deciliter. So 90 could really be something between 75 and 105. So they're not absolutely precise. So if you're 90 and it goes to 95, you're still good. Or even 90 goes to 98, you're, you're probably still good. Now, if your blood sugar does rise too high, let's say it goes from 90 to 148 or 172, look at your meal. It will be some carbohydrate more than likely. Next time you have that meal, you want to either cut back on the portion size of that carbohydrate or eliminate it or add other things, add more fats, for instance. Now, when you do this, when you engage in this, what I call the no change rule, wonderful things happen. Many metabolic phenomena reverse. Insulin resistance recedes. Many type 2 diabetics over time become non-type 2 diabetics. Using this tool, by the way, a finger stick glucose device that is typically used to manage type 2 diabetes, but when used properly, you can actually use the same device to get rid of type 2 diabetes. So following the no change rule also helps. It's part of the program to reverse dysbiosis and SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It contributes to pushing back fungal overgrowth. By not engaging in sugars, you're not engaging in liver de novo lipogenesis, and you're therefore not forming VLDL particles that cause heart disease and small LDL particles that cause heart disease, and you're not contributing further to fatty liver.
And of course, you're not engaging in glycation, the irreversible glucose modification of proteins. And you're thereby not going to experience accelerated skin aging, accelerated development of cataracts, and joint cartilage degradation and arthritis. In other words, you are being given control over a wide swath of health by maintaining blood sugar consistently, both before you eat and after you eat, in an ideal range. So this idea that a blood sugar after a meal of up to 200 milligrams per deciliter is okay, you can see is complete nonsense. In fact, it's quite destructive. And so we're going to keep our blood sugars always around the clock, 24 hours a day in the normal range and thereby not contribute to all these problems that come with high blood sugars. Now, if you learned something from this episode of the Defiant Health Podcast, I invite you to subscribe through your favorite podcast directory, post a review, post a comment, tell your friends. I really mean we need to build this movement of self-empowerment and health that keeps you free of the healthcare system. Thanks for listening.